I wonder how do we get consent from a tree? <laughs> yeah, that is a question that has been discussed in ecosexual <laughs> circles. You know, like the thing about this whole movement is that right wing trolls love to try to make it into oh we hear the crazy hear the crazy tree know, lickers tree humpers fucking trees right <laughs> you were listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com sluts and scholars is a podcast produced by sluts and scholars media llc It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm excited to welcome Stephanie. Stephanie is a New York City-based freelance writer, certified clinical sexologist, professional astrologer, pleasure activist, and author of nine books. Her forthcoming book, Sex and Your Stars, A Sexologist's Guide to the Erotic Energy of the Zodiac, is due out from Sounds True in the summer of 2024. Stephanie writes about sex, politics, the environment, holistic health, wellness, and astrology for a variety of outlets. The subjects she's most obsessed with are sexuality, sustainability, and the stars, uh, coalesce at the heart of the natural world and our nature as humans. The long arc of her work explores the ways that the environment, our bodies, and the cosmos commingle. Welcome, Stephanie. Hello there. Great to be here. Okay, so I am really passionate about this first topic that we're going to discuss. Uh, so you have a book called Ecosex. Um, yeah. And as we're recording this, we are right before Earth Day. It is Earth Month. Um, so for folks listening, what is ecosexuality? This is not a simple question or answer, I should say. I should caveat it um, because it is an evolving, emerging movement that's about 10 years old right now. Um, and it kind of has different divergent ways of understanding what it is. I guess what I'll explain first is like what it is and has been for me, like how I found it. Um and how I wrote the book. So for me, ecosex started out as simply a holistic relationship with uh, my body and the environment. So like finding that sweet space where I was treating my body um, with as much uh, reverence as I wanted to treat the environment with and vice versa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this kind of feeling that like, if you start to develop a love for uh, one or the other, it should encourage you to treat the other with more respect. So, you know, that whole like, love your mother, love your body, all of those things uh, Mm. at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I was writing my book, which was around 2009, um, my publisher was out in San Francisco and um, Annie Sprinkle and her partner, Beth Stevens, found out that I was writing a book called Ecosex because they were developing 
um, a movement that they were calling ecosexuality too, but it was a different approach. And that was more of a art theory, but also just the love of nature. And they would put on these beautiful performance art events. They would marry the sun. They would marry the moon. They would marry the ocean. Um, they've been doing this over many, many, many years, and they've made a couple of documentaries about it. Uh, they became good friends and taught me so much about their view of what ecosex is. So my uh, concept has just broadened and developed and continues to. Well, it sounds like there's an intersection there, though, right? Like you're saying both beliefs, maybe, or views on it are this sort of like reverence of of the earth, I suppose. Yeah. And so whether that be erotic or whether that be about like self and other care um it seems like it's like slowing down to take the time to appreciate outside of and within exactly that is exactly what it is and for me it was initially more sort of like nuts and bolts like how do you green your sex life i mean like that's the subtitle of the book <laughs> right so you know so what kind of lube would you use that would be more eco friendly or what kind of sex toys would you use or sheets or candles or anything that had to do with the soup to nut of wooing someone you know a courtship to consummation i think i call it in the book um and so, yeah, it was just like sort of a more practical approach, um, mm -hmm. but they are very, very well matched. They certainly come from the same spirit. Yeah. And it, it also seems like it's this concept of treating everything as like its own like little universe that deserves taking care of. I guess, whether that be like your body or the microbiome of your body or things within your body and then little worlds and universes within the within nature, I guess it's like, yeah, taking care of all the universes. It is exactly that. And and with the understanding that all the universes are one, right? Like there's no separation. So it is it is quite spiritual for me as well. How do you think the embracing of ecosexuality has changed your sex life? You know, what it's done for me, I think, I mean, I think I've like always been a really sensual person. Um, but I don't think that I recognized what the sensuality was rooted in and coming from. And I don't think that I realized how, and when I say sensual, I mean, just being able to lay on the beach and get taken to a different place, right? Like, or to really relax when being in the woods or or near a body of water um, and loving to like run my fingers over natural, natural origin substances. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm just like super sensual. And I sort of associated it with like, you know, like I'm super sexual and I'm super sensual and that's just who I am. But um, I started to realize that it, it really is about my connection with the earth itself. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a really profound sort of witnessing that I did about my own my own body and, you know, where it came from and where it will go. That kind of like, you know, dust to dust thing as mm. well. Yeah. I Whenever I first initially like think of ecosexual, did you ever see the movie Superstar? I don't think I ever saw that. No, it's with a Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon, a classic, co ridiculous comedy. Um, and in it, Molly Shannon's character, this like high school person played by like oh, a, an SNL adult character. Yes, oh, yes, I love that character. Yeah, so they they turned it into a into a movie, and 
she really wants a partner. She really wants a boyfriend. And in the show, like she often like makes out with and like licks and humps this one tree. (laughs) And it's just like, I I think I was pretty young when I saw it and it was like supposed to be funny and silly, but I was kind of like, that's hot. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. is. Oh, by the way. Oh my God. Her name is escaping me, but one of the, one of the women from broad city, Mm -hmm. um, not at uh, there's Abby Jacobson. The other one is, do you know her name? No, I'm with you in the forgetting it, but they're both amazing. Yeah, I know it's contagious. Um, But anyway, she, she on Instagram, she, Oh, Alana, Alana Glazer. Yes. She's amazing. I adore her, but she, she like literally posted, um, a couple of slides on Instagram of her like making out with a tree. And I was like, you go, my ecosexual sister. <laughs> I wonder how do we get consent from a tree? <laughs> yeah, that is a question that has been discussed in ecosexual circles. Like that was sort of how, you know, like the thing about this whole movement is that right-wing trolls love to, you know, try to make it into like, oh, we hear the crazy here are the crazy tree know, lickers, tree humpers, fucking trees. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, but that has really been a thing. Like I've received some harassment and also invitations to appear on Tucker Carlson more than once because they really? wanted to make me into that, you know, that crazy tree fucking liberal. But um, I mean, it's not like totally wrong, but like what's wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Now that whole question of consent has come up. Yeah. Um, and I think it initially came up like I like in a trolling sort of way. Mm. Um, but I think I think that I think that the trees are into it. <laughs> That's typically where I'm coming from. <laughs> well, so it's funny because I for listeners of the podcast, you may know this, but um, so I did my undergraduate at Stanford and um, our mascot is the tree. And so I actually was the mascot um, my senior year. So I was the tree. Uh, I'm actually looking at my costume right now. I'll have to post a picture of it. Um, but I was, you know, the person at the football and basketball games dancing around in a tree costume. Um, and then I actually had a sex costume column in my senior year called sex talks with the tree oh Um, i love it (laughs) where i would you know it was my first yeah like on my way to becoming a sex therapist and um additionally there was this event um that would happen once a year called full moon on the quad which they haven't really had since covid i don't think but basically was this event that I think in its inception, it was this thing where like a senior would like give a rose to a freshman at like the first full moon of the year. And I don't know, something like that. But after a while, it turned into this like just full on college sanctioned makeout orgy. Oh my god! <laughs> so it was like all of the undergraduates in the house. <laughs> totally, it was like all the undergrads in this like main quad area with the DJ, and everyone's just trying to make out with as many people as possible. Um, <laughs> with like, and so everyone wants to make out with the tree, and so. Right. I'm in my costume in the tree. You have someone that has like a number counter because you like, I don't know, that was like a, a thing that we did. And um, I, you know, a lot of people had sexy time with the tree that night. So I, this is, I've just was born for this. Yeah. <laughs> and it, as a tree, it was very consensual. <laughs> That's a fun role play. I really, I like that idea very much. <laughs> I'll let you borrow my costume if you want. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, okay, so going beyond the like maybe actuals, maybe sensual aspect of it, um, 
you were talking about maybe the sustainability piece too. Um, why, why did that feel important to you to kind of have a sustainable um, earth-based sex life? It felt, I mean, you know, I felt like it was the only unexplored territory at the time, you know, like everything had been greened except for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like this sort of place where I could unlock some conversation about shame. You know, it, it so, sort of started where I would, you know, like have friends who were environmentally aware and, you know, like Prius driving, like, you know, I, this is at the time when like, I am not a plastic bag was the thing, you know, like about like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people were trying to do things to be environmentally friendly. And then I, as the nosy sex person in everyone's life, <laughs> um, was like, but what about your lube? Like, what about your sex toys? Like, what about like everything, you know, that has to do with your sex life? And people would be like, I don't want to talk about that. Or I have never thought about that, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, you know, this is ripe for discussion. And then I started to do some research and found, I mean, it has completely changed this landscape over the last 10 years, which thrills me and makes me feel like maybe, you know, I had something to do with it and my, you know, the movement, um, you know, the movement itself had something to do with it, but like this conversation hadn't been happening. Um, And there were like two lubes on the market that had organic ingredients at the time. You know, like everything had parabens and like all kinds of toxic chemicals. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, it's almost hard to find a lube that does have those things now. (laughs) You know, like even like the major, uh, you know, corporate entities that make lube, like, you know, are are making body-friendly, earth-friendly lubes now, finally. Um, so, um, that's the sea change. Um, and that was kind of what I wanted to do. Like, I mean, I was kind of proselytizing, like I was kind of like, there was a level of it that was like sex sells. I want to save the environment. Maybe I can use sex to, you know, (laughs) to sell people the idea that they need to do something about the environment, like whatever it takes. Mm. Yeah. But like, think what we're talking about, but then as a connected thing, then, hopefully it's also inviting folks to like care about what they're doing and putting into their body. Um, And look for people who don't care as much about the environment or maybe about sustainability or sustainable sex. At least we're talking about like, I care enough about my body or myself to be mindful of like what I'm putting in it and how I'm pleasuring myself. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, it really is, you know, at the core of it, if I were to just simplify it down to like its most, you know, basic distillation, it's about slowing down, um, you know, and, and building that sensual relationship with your body. And when you do that, you want to treat it better, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so um, I love that we're talking on the first day of Taurus season, which is like the season of sensuality. Um, it really is very, very much about that piece for me. Yeah. So you you do talk a lot about this uh, this intersection of the zodiac and sex. Yeah, and sex and desire. Um, what got you kind of interested in that, and and how does that relate to to ecosexuality for you? You know, it's it's so funny because these parts of my life were at one point so separate. Like mm-hmm. I. So, you know, I'm a writer. That's like, that's, that's how I came to all of the other work that I'm doing. But um, I started writing about astrology, like way, 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 way back. Um, Like, you know, more than 20 years ago. 
um, started, got it, like, you know, was really just at the beginning of studying astrology and, and got a gig from some like early internet um, site for teenage girls writing about writing a horoscope column. Um, and that, you know, led to a whole career writing about astrology, deeper study, writing some books, becoming a professional astrologer, like that whole trajectory. And, and you know, and I was during that entire time, sort of like secretly harboring this, this kind of like, but you know, I'm supposed to be a sex writer. Like that's really what I came here to do. And also like, you know, bleeding into my astrology sessions with clients, like everybody was always like, not, there was no prompting there, but like people always felt comfortable talking to me about sex, asking questions about their sex life. I was the astrologer that was just open to having these discussions. So it, all of this eventually led to um, writing Ecosex, which sort of like opened up a career in sex writing for me. I then helmed a couple of columns. So there was like this separate, these two separate tracks, you know, like I'm still an astrologer. I'm still writing horoscope columns for, you know, big media sites, and but I'm also a sex writer and they were quite separate. Um, and then just, you know, over the last couple of years, really like during the pandemic, while I was getting my certification clinical sexology, I started doing a series uh, called Sex in Your Stars um, about each zodiac sign's sexuality um, mm -hmm. for their website, for the, the website of um, my certification program, Sex Coach U. And um and then, you know, it just, it, 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 it all sort of like came together and coalesced. Like, these are all the parts of me. These are all the various parts of me. Why are they not living together, like in the same space? <laughs> mm. So now they probably are. <laughs> well, I know you're probably going to talk about this, obviously, in your book, but, um, you know, why is, or how can it be helpful to use astrology to, broaden our desires and our pleasure? Like, how have you seen it be helpful for yourself or your clients? It is enormously helpful if someone has some kind of, I mean, mostly for unpacking shame, right? Like, which is the thing that we do as sex therapists and, mm -hmm. and sex coaches, most of all, right? You know, we can really get into the shadow material, looking at a person's chart, right? Like, so like, what are you what are you fantasizing about and what are you not letting yourself fantasize about or what mm -hmm. kinds of partners you're attracting and why, um, you know, what is, where does this all come from? Um, that is kind of the core of it. And it really gives people space to explore their whole erotic path in a completely new way that may, they may have never pursued before. It really looks at sort of like your, your instinctual self. Um, I mean, you know, and it's, it's, it can get quite complicated. I mean, you can look at just the sun sign, which a big segment of my, of my book covers, but you know, you can look at like, if you have a certain, you know, if you have a square between your Venus and your Pluto, this is getting kind of, you know, um, uh, into a whole language that people may not understand. And I don't want to, I don't want to be too jargony, but like you can really see in someone's chart if someone has some kind of uh, sexual issue or block and, and help them to address it. Uh, I'm going to have to introduce you to my friend and colleague who's a past guest on the podcast. Her name's Nadej. Um, her company is called Pleasure Science, but she's had a book that just came out called Sextrology that's about like the archetype with and uh and the zodiac. Um and I feel like so many more people are feeling 
drawn to this and called to this. And yet there are still some folks who are like, don't believe this, it's pseudoscience, you know, the woo stuff. What do you say for folks who are like, astrology's BS? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I say is, okay, you know, that that's, that's, you know, if that's good for you, that's good for you. <laughs> I yeah. don't need to be validated by you. Right. Um, you know, like to those people, like, I mean, I used to be one of those, used to be one of those astrologers who was like, God damn it, skeptic, I'm going to take you on, you know. Yeah, going to um, convince you. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is like, I come from, I don't come from a science background, but I come from a very like, you know, very skeptical background. Like I did not believe that astrology was a thing that could have an effect on one's life until well into my adulthood. Yeah, I thought it was bunk. And then just had some experiences that were like, you know, too specific to deny. Um, so I began to study it and it, it, it really is, it's a, it's it, the archetypes that you mentioned before your friend's book, like they're really there in us. I mean, like all you have to do is look, you know, mm-hmm. um, there are so many different ways to dismantle and, you know, and, and sort of like lean into specific skepticisms and, and sure, like if the place that you're coming from is debunking horoscopes, you're spot on, right? Like horoscopes are not scientific. Horoscopes are, are, you know, your, your, your astrology chart, your natal chart is based on like a very, very, uh, like a second in time. You're uh, in a, a horoscope column, a horoscope column that you are reading in a magazine or online or whatever is not going to be. And, you know, like I still write horoscope columns. Like I love them. And I think they do provide insight for people in a very general way, but, um, I can see how a skeptic would come to, a misunderstanding of what astrology is if they think astrology is horoscopes, which it is not. Yeah. Well, and even for folks who maybe aren't fans or or don't, you know, operate from this practice or mentality, I do think that there is a lot of healing space in our culture from, I guess I would say like projection and storytelling as well as like experiential learning. And so I guess what I mean by that is like, whether it's astrology, whether it's tarot cards, whether it's like doing some unique type of therapy, whatever you read or that comes up, you don't necessarily have to say, okay, well, that's the truth. I mean, you might, you know, operate and believe that way, but if you're not someone who does, you can at least take it and have it start some self-inquiry or like start a conversation or start a dialogue between yourself or your partner to actually talk about what comes up for you when you read when you read something about this. I love that perspective. Yeah, and I mean th- I think also in that you know, like Jungian kind of way like just observing like what comes before you and to see if that has any yeah. any story to tell you, you know. Um that's how I think about the, you know the entire realm of of astrology and tarot and all that kind of divination like it's not necessarily divining your future. And I think, I mean, I think that the other thing, the other big problem is that, and this has always been an issue and it continues to be an issue and it's proliferating and getting worse because of, um, you know, Instagram um, and other sites where people who do not have a real grounding um, in in astrology are claiming to be astrologers or claiming to be tarot readers or claiming to be fortune tellers or whatever it is. Like there is a, there's a snake oil thing that persists. Um, Mm. and it definitely gives, you know, people who are 
qualified astrologers a big issue to deal with. Definitely sort of like denigrates the whole field. Mm. I'm hoping that that will in some ways get better over the next couple of years because of the current astrology, actually, (laughs) Um, because of Saturn and Pisces. I think that we're going to see sort of like a rooting out of some of that stuff over the next couple of years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that I think that will always be a problem. Yeah. So this is totally not a, a super familiar expert language for me, but, um, based on what is happening in the stars or in the universe right now, um, what can people maybe be expecting for their sexuality and relationships? I'm sure it's different based on what you're sign and charts are. But like, is there anything happening currently in our world that you're seeing affect people and how is it affecting people? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I would say like the biggest sort of like generational change um, that's that's coming up for us um, that started in March when Pluto moved into Aquarius. Pluto is going to be in Aquarius until 2044. Uh, it's a really slow moving planet. Um, and, you know, Pluto previously in Capricorn had a lot to say about the structures of our society, you know, like it was about capitalism and, um, you know, and, and, um, race and class and patriarchy and all those systems that we're still trying to, um, you know, break down and escape from. But I think with Pluto and Aquarius, um, we're really going to be in this generational moment where technology, and we can already see it, like, you know, with the, the explosion in AI and like people now saying AI, like, is going to, in the next 18 months, it's going to like completely, um, you know, utterly change our world, which is a Mm. little scary. Um, But, you know, I I think that even in our sexuality, I mean, this this is the thing about sexuality, right? It's holistic. Like our sexuality is our whole life. It's not separate. It's not walled off, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, with with Pluto and Aquarius um, and our, you know, society moving very, very quickly into this embracing of sort of like a robot lifestyle. (laughs) Mm. You know, I'm a little concerned that people will be, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of like the singularity thing, like where people are going to be like putting tech into their bodies in some form. Um, you know, like like Elon Musk talking about like brain chips being the new thing Mm. (laughs) over the next couple of years, all of that stuff is very Pluto and Aquarius. And I think a lot about how, um, you know, that can affect our, our relationship with our sexuality and our sex lives and our relationship with our partners. Like I, I am concerned that we will become more distant from the natural world and our bodies and embrace technology to the, to the point where, um, that becomes very secondary. Mm. Um, so I think that one of the things that we can do to sort of like stave that off as things change is sort of, you know, and this is a good thing to be talking about the day before Earth Day and in tourist season is we can absolutely, utterly immerse ourselves in the natural world as much as possible every day in every way <laughs> and let it be, you know, a uh, sort of a guiding light. And just to remember that in the years ahead as, you know, things go a little bit more bonkers with like robot robot dogs and brain chips and shit. Yeah, or maybe it's the era of sex tech, you know, just yeah, go I mean, out and invest in a bunch of sex technology. 
Yeah. I mean, you know what? We've been in that like amazing, like like all of these incredible, you know, new women run companies like Dame and stuff over the last couple of years. Like sex tech is doing fantastic things. And that's a, that's a really positive way to think about Pluto and Aquarius for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I, my, my concern is like, you know, us alone with our sex tech, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like us alone with our, which is, and and like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, yes, let's be alone with our sex tech, but I don't want that to be the only way that we engage with our sexuality. Yeah. I um, just, uh, I just rewatched her, uh, have you seen uh, the movie her and it like, yes. I mean, it really was ahead of its time because I feel like so many of the things it's it takes on such a new meaning now when I watched it in the context of our life. And then shortly after that, my friend and I who watched it together were playing uh, with chat GPT. Um, and so for folks who don't know, it's like a, a, an AI uh, language program. And basically, we asked it questions about like how we do our jobs, basically. And so we asked it questions that we had worked on that week in our respective fields. And it like did our job for us in yeah. 30 seconds, even like a mental health job. Like I asked it, like, how do you handle this kind of presenting issue? And it literally listed all of the things that I did with my client. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a little it bit wild. Right. Like, you know, I know that people got like really overblown, like, you know, back in what was it like March or February when that New York times writer, like, you know, made it seem like the computer was falling in love with him and like wanted him to leave his wife. Did you read about that at the time? No, I didn't. Oh my God. It wasn't really what was happening. Like, but it was, it sounded like it was, but, hmm. but precisely what you're saying, you know, is like, it's, it, it, it definitely is, 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 you know, very, very ready to take over our lives and take over our jobs. And I think my concern is that we'll do precisely what you're saying. You know, that movie, Her, I love that movie. It was a really incredibly well done movie that I think everyone should watch. I wrote about it at the time, but it was... Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. And it and it was very much in that sort of black mirror, like near future thing, although it was mm-hmm. a couple of years before Black Mirror. Yeah. But that's, you know, like a lot of the a lot of the episodes of Black Mirror and the you know, the characters in Black Mirror are sort of just like alone in their room with technology. Mm-hmm. Um and it will become much easier for us to do that. Um, if we have human-like AI kind of convincing us, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I I think that in some ways there are people who are very, very lonely right now. And that could be, you know, a balm for certain people, but I don't want to become the way we live now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack there, but for folks who like want to stay connected, maybe with their, their eco-sexuality, are there any sort of earth-based, um, sensuality tools that you might recommend for folks to kind of stay connected to themselves and the world? Yeah. You know, there's, there are so many different small, simple things that you can do. I mean, like if you're, you know, if you're in the Northern hemisphere and it's starting to become spring now, like literally just go outside. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a yard, um, you know, I I mean, starting with, starting with the things that, that, that feel don't necessarily feel sexual, right? Like just standing outside with your bare feet on the earth. This is what the Japanese call earthing is a practice that I recommend to clients all the time, especially when people are feeling anxiety and disconnection from their bodies. Not feeling um, grounded. Not feeling grounded. Um, so, you know, it's like in New York City, it's a little bit harder to do that, like unless you walk over to a park, right? Like you have to work with what you have. But 
What I tell people to do in winter is, you know, to gather um, before the seas, before it gets too cold, go to a favorite place in nature, whether that's a beach or, you know, or some kind of, uh, you know, a hiking trail or whatever, and gather some earth if the earth is gatherable um, and put it in kind of like a shoebox or something so you have enough of it so you can, when you're in your home and it's cold outside, actually stand in it and do sort of like earthing, even though, you know, maybe you have a concrete floor or a wood floor, you can connect to it that way or to gather some rocks and keep them on your desk and just sort of like hold them in your hand. Those are some ways, even, even just, you know, waking up in the morning, um, if you're, you know, you have to work all day, whether you work from home or you go to the office, like stand at the window and just for like one minute, close your eyes and let feel the sun on your face or taste the breeze or when you open the window. I mean, you know, people think I'm like a freak because like I'll, I sniff everything, (laughs) like audibly sniff stuff, but like, you know, smells smells are very sensual, you know? And, and I love to expand this definition of sensual because I think when people first hear it sensual, they do think like overtly sexual um, or potentially like genital play. Um, And like sensual to me is just the, appreciation and ability to like experience pleasure in your body through sensations and that's exactly what it is yes yeah and so that doesn't have to be overtly erotic or like why can't it be erotic right like why can't standing in a box of dirt or like on the grass be erotic if you're like i like the sensation i like this feeling on my toes i like the smell i like the warmth like why can't that give you a big old boner And you know what? And it's all about the potential for it to possibly do that. And it doesn't, without putting the pressure on yourself that it has to, right? Which is why, which is why just awakening the senses in, in small ways every day as a practice is a kind of meditation. Mm -hmm. I think it can get you there to uh, a more loving, healthy relationship with your erotic body. Um, You know, and so like building from like, you know, for instance, like my my happy place, my happy, you know, nature place is the beach. So walking, you know, the moment I take my shoes off and I feel the hot sand on my feet, like that's, that is, you know, an erotic charge for me. But it, like, it wasn't instantly an erotic charge for me because, you know, like I first had to get myself there. I was like, oh, this feels really good on my feet, right? Yeah. And then I walk over to the ocean and I stand in the ocean and I feel the cool water on my toes and I let my feet sink down in the ocean and, you know, you 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 work your way there. For some people, it will happen right away. Like some people will find they've never heard of this concept before and they will do that and they will be like, holy shit, I've been an ecosexual all along and I didn't know it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it can exist on its own. Like, like it doesn't have to lead somewhere sexual, but I will say like for folks who are like, well, why would I, why would I do that? You know, um, uh, to me, I think what it really does is get people it's a way to get people back into their body or to help them get back into their body. And so that to me is essential for pleasure and like expansive pleasure in your sex and erotic life. And so if you can utilize, you know, nature and those sensual experiences to bring you back to your body, to me, that's so hot. It is. It really, really is. And then, you know, and just becoming comfortable with you know, are sort of like animal selves. I mean, like, you know, this is what like, you know, dogs are going around sniffing everything. Rolling in it and grinding it into their body. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we are mammals, right? Like, remember that you're a mammal. You know what I mean? Like, 
our lives are so ridden by anxiety and, you know, post pandemic or continuing pandemic or whatever the hell is happening right now. Um, you know, uh, trauma, you know, like I, I, and I think that really right now, you know, just being in our sensual selves as much as possible is absolutely, um, a a bomb for all of that. Yeah. No, honestly, one of the best like self-pleasure sessions I ever had was because I literally got like turned on by nature. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. The more, the more I talk to people about it, like the more that I've been doing, um, you know, sessions as a, as a certified clinical sexologist and sex coach, the more that I'm hearing from people that like, they've sort of like accidentally discovered it and didn't know that it was a thing or like maybe some shame about it. And, you know, my purpose is to give them permission um, to say, no, there's no reason to feel shame about that. No, I mean, to, to me, like it, obviously this is my field, so it made sense, but like as someone who, you know, likes a big sensory experience around my like sex and erotic practices, like I wasn't planning on it. You know, I didn't go outside with that intention, but I was like coming back from like a solo hike, um, up in the mountains and like the wind was blowing in this beautiful way and all the spring flowers were out and it was just beautiful colors and it smelled beautiful pine and other, you know, floral things. And like all of the sensations, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so in love with this nature right now. Like we need to have a moment here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And you know, and if you think about it, like the things that we do, you know, like to create like the tropes of romance, like, you know, uh, red rose petals and like, you know, and you draw someone a bath and you, you know, light candles. I mean, like those are all trying to stimulate set, you know, our sensory experiences. So like, why not have that experience solo just with nature? Like you don't need necessarily need the accoutrement of like, you know, of whatever (laughs) the candles and the flowers and all of that stuff. Like it's all right there for you when you go outside. Yeah. Nature set the, set the sexy stage for you. (laughs) (laughs) and that's why we have to preserve it (laughs) yeah um well thank you so much for joining uh i know there's a lot more we could cover but for folks who are interested in following up uh with you or checking out your book or your work uh or your books i should say um how can people get in touch and connect you know, the best, I would have said Twitter, but Twitter is kind of, you know, as of the last couple of days, getting weirder than um, it's been in a while. So um, if you're a Twitter person, I am ecosexuality on Twitter. Um, but I've mostly been posting lately on um, Substack, um, notes on Substack. Um, and on Substack, my my Substack is called Pleasure Centers. Um, so you can subscribe for free to that. Uh, there's a paid scri- subscription tier as well. If you want the extra juicy sign-by-sign horoscopes that I send out every month and other perks that are listed there. Um, and then my Instagram is uh, Stephanie Iris Weiss. And my website is stephanieirisweiss.com. And um, Stephanie is spelled with an F, not a PH. Um, I'm not familiar with Substack. You are. Oh, my God. You would love Substack. It is fantastic. It's kind of like it's taking over a lot of the, you know, like a lot of the word nerd people who, you know, have been happily on Twitter all these years um, are moving over to Substack. I mean, like I had a Substack since last summer and I've been 
kind of like following its um, evolution over the last couple of years. Mm. But um, it's basically like a blogging platform. It's a okay. newsletter platform. Um, and you can you know, subscribe to a whole bunch of different writers there. And they just started a Twitter-like kind of um, platform where you can post something called Notes. Ooh, um, interesting. It's quite bare bones right now, but it's 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 very elegant. I, I like it. Cool. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining again, listeners. If you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. Um, not often on Twitter either, but Sluts Scholars. Um, you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. And please don't forget to take a moment if you enjoyed the show to rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.